Amen. Stand with us as we continue to worship. Great song, How Great Thou Art.
God great? You may be seated. We want to uh, do a kind of a, this may be a new song for you. In the 11 o'clock, we started doing uh, a song of the month every month. And um, our youth went to uh, camp and came back with this song. And uh, we actually did it in the 11 o'clock service uh, before Ryan went back to school a few weeks ago. I liked the song so much we kind of adopted it as our song of the month. And it's a great song called I Thank God. So uh, you 830 folks may want to tighten your pew belt uh, right now. Uh, This one's going to kind of move a little bit if the youth jump up and turn around and start making a bunch of, you know, just say, oh, they're praising Jesus, okay? So uh, anyway, here we go.
about you, but I'm working up a sweat up here, brother. You know, today we have the theme, the anchors away, the pirate thing, the treasure thing. But you know, our greatest treasure comes from God. Amen. And that's his son, Jesus Christ. And the good, you know, God is so good. And this song just tells of the goodness of God, the treasures that he's bestowed in us. Let's sing this song and claim him as our treasure today.
again just that chorus all my life sing it with us all my life you have been faithful sing it to him God, you're so good. Father, we love you. Father, we would be nothing without your goodness. Father, thank you for being in this place today and flowing through this place in a mighty way. Father, you've spoken to our hearts. Father, we feel your presence. Father, we lift up our pastor to you. We pray for him as he brings your word to us today, the word you would have us to hear. Father, use us for your glory. Not just on Sunday, but Father, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Father, may we be the hands and feet of you, our Savior. That when others see us, they see you. Father, give us opportunities to to reach people, to minister to people, to be Jesus to someone. Father, thank you for the treasure that you are to us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church family, be seated. God bless you, and thank you so much. Uh, for being here today. I mean, I look around and think, wow, if we feed you people breakfast, a lot of y'all show up. So so that is so exciting. A great pirate theme today. Let's go ahead and bring up the lights underneath the balcony um, if we can. Um, it's dark back there on those folks. We need to be able to see one another. And um, I'm so thankful for this pirate theme and for this exciting kickoff that we have been able to have um, in Sunday school today. I want to thank everybody who is a huge part of that. And I appreciate um, your involvement, your leadership, and your action today. Um, Thank you for all those who donned a pirate cap and um, gave boat rides and all of that fun. It it has been a a wonderful day. Uh, Randall Land is back there, and I need to give Randall a little credit because Randall offered me a couple of pirate jokes that I want to begin with today. So, Randall, uh, thank you very much. Folks, if y'all don't like these, don't blame me. Blame Randall. And um, here we go. Uh, What's a pirate's favorite restaurant? Arby's, right? There you go. And what do you call a pirate with both eyes, no peg leg, and no hook for a hand? A rookie, right? That's how it goes. And then how much did the pirate pay for his piercings? Well, easily a buccaneer, all right? And so that's all I know this morning, but I appreciate Randall. Good job. Um, This pirate theme probably takes us to the Pirates of the Caribbean, um, really one of many people's favorite movies. And in that movie series, Captain Jack Sparrow has a unique compass. And if you've seen the movie, you remember all of this. It, it did not point to the north. 
And he explains it to Elizabeth with this. He said, true enough, this compass does not point north. Elizabeth says, where does it point? He said, it points to the thing that you want the most in this world. So in one of the movies, it points to the black pearl. In another movie, it pointed to a bottle of rum that Jack wanted. And then it pointed to the fountain of youth. And and to tell that story today makes me want to ask you the question, if you had Jack Sparrow's compass in your hand today, what would it point to? If you had that special Pirates of the Caribbean compass in your hand that points to what you want most, what would it point to? You see, Jesus Christ said that treasure has the same effect on our heart. It's magnetic. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure has a magnetic attraction to your heart. You see, it's part of our fallen nature to grab and hold on to stuff. I want you to raise your hand today if you have a lot of stuff. Raise your hand if you do. Now, it's interesting that that particular cycle in life, it starts when we're kids. Uh, When we're kids, we get as many toys as we can into our toy box. And as adults, the truth is, it really doesn't change at all. The toys just get more expensive. Somebody say amen to that. And one person said it this way. They said, your house is just a pile of stuff with a roof on it. And sometimes I look at my home, I feel like that just may be true. But one of our favorite things to do with our stuff is to store it. I want to tell you something interesting. In the United States right now, there are 58,000 self-storage facilities in our country. 58,000, remember that number, because the country that has the second highest number of storage facilities is Australia. They have 1,000. We have 58,000. They have 1,000. That means over 2.5 billion square feet of space is ready to store your stuff in the United States of America. Americans pay $12 billion every year for someone to store their stuff. This morning, folks, we are talking about stuff. We're talking about treasure. And I invite you today to take your Bibles in hand. And let's go to the Old Testament, the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 29. And let's go ahead and begin to stand together as we turn there. I want to read this amazing passage that will set the stage for our study and our sermon this morning. Now, let me give you a little background because if I don't share this, you'll wonder what in the world we're doing. So, so here's the background for the passage. David has be, becomes the greatest king in all of Israel. And one day he's looking around his own house And he's recognizing what he has, this beautiful palace in which he lives. And then he thinks about God's house and he says, you know what? Something's wrong with this picture. In other words, his house was nicer than God's house. They still had that old same tabernacle tent that Moses had built that they were trying to meet in. So he knew something was wrong with the picture, so he planned to build a brand new temple. For those of us who have been to Jerusalem, we have been right there at the edge of the temple in Jerusalem. So David builds the temple, right, on the Temple Mount. David was a warrior king, however, and God said, excuse me, he didn't get to build the temple because he was a warrior king. And God says this, your son Solomon will be the one who builds the temple. So David still knew he had a part to play. He couldn't build the temple, but he could begin to raise all the money 
to build the temple. And that's the context of the conversation we're going to have today. First Chronicles chapter 29, let's begin in verse 1. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. All of these in large quantities, he said. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything I provided for this holy temple, and I'll add this, as king. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsman now who is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord. That's his question. So so the people are ready to give the money, right? And David doesn't say, now who's going to give an offering? But he says this, who now will consecrate themselves to God today? Now go to verse 10 and let's see what happens. David praised the Lord in the assembly of the, in the whole assembly, saying, Praise to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give thanks and praise your glorious name. Verse 14. But who am I? He prays. And who are my people? That we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything, he said, comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, and were as were all of our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord our God, as for you, this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. The final verse. O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you. That's my prayer for our church today. That the same desire that we read about and will speak about in this message will still be the desire of God's people today. That we will be loyal to Him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Be seated, church family. I want to start off today by talking to you about Chick-fil-A. Now, I know that is super exciting, and yes, they're closed today, so even though your mouth begins to water, you cannot go on a Sunday. Um, our family loves Chick-fil-A. How about yours? Uh, we call it the Lord's Chicken. 
All right? And and there are several things that seemingly everybody knows about Chick-fil-A. First of all is they make a really good chicken sandwich. Amen and amen. Uh, But the second thing is this, that the business was founded by a man named Truett Cathy. And I think most of us now know this story. It's so powerful. Truett Cathy was a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And from the beginning, he led his company to embrace Christian principles. And God blessed that company as we've seen today. And last year, catch this, Chick-fil-A sold $6 billion, that's with a B, $6 billion worth of chicken sandwiches. Now, I tell you all that because I want you to know this. That in Chick-fil-A's corporate offices in Atlanta, Georgia, they have a framed saying on the wall. It's not a saying, actually. It's scripture. They have David's prayer right here from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Church, the financial principles, the treasure that we're going to talk about today, it's not ancient history. It still works today. It can and will work for you. You see, David is a case study for us. He's an example of how to run a Christian business. He's an example of how to run a Christian household. He's an example of a heart who is really excited about following God. He's a man who understood God's view about how to handle treasure. And that's why we ought to look at him today on this Pirate Sunday when we're talking about treasure, right? How could we not examine this passage? I want to talk about three things that David did that we ought to do also. Here's the very first thing. If you're taking notes today on the back of that worship guide... Write this in as a first principle for yourself. David's desire first was to know and follow God's heart. David's desire first was to know and to follow God's heart. You see, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, David was called, does anybody know, a man after God's own heart. And God wanted a permanent place of worship in Jerusalem. David discerned that from God, and therefore, that became the focus of David's life. You see, our heart represents the control center of us. If you want to know where your life is going, well, just follow your heart. Your heart will tell you if you're in tune with God. It's where we make all of our choices. And from a very early age, David decided he wanted his heart to be aligned with God's heart. What God wanted, David wanted. And that's why David wrote this most powerful verse, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, we ought to ask ourselves right here in this moment, Are you a man or a woman after God's heart? That's what this sermon is really about. Are you a man or a woman after God's heart? Is your main focus in life to seek first the kingdom of God? It is what God wants also what you want. You see, with your heart, you really have two options. Uh, Your heart will either be committed to the world's philosophy about treasure or God's truth about treasure. And the world, every voice we hear, and all of us deal with money and treasure, there's no doubt about that. And every voice seemingly that we hear tells us something that's contrary to God's way. The world says, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can and poison the rest. That's what the world says. The world says, this is my money. 
And I earned it. And I don't want to share it with anyone. But friend, that's not what God says. God says that you and I were not designed to be containers. We're not bowls to receive everything that God gives. No, we are pipes. We're conduit. Through us should pass the blessing of God. So use your money to bless others. Don't hoard your money for yourself. Christian, you're different than the world around you. You're made for a higher calling than the world. So let's choose to be like David. David knew God's heart and he followed God's heart. Will that, will that be what we do today? So the first thing that I want to center with us and, and register with us is that David, his desire was to know God's heart, to follow God's heart. That's where it all begins with our treasure. The second thing with David is this. That David gave his personal treasure to expand God's work. The text tells us, it's interesting if you notice this, it says, first of all, he gave out of the royal treasury for the building of the temple. Uh, This would be like he as the president, if you will, choosing to give government dollars towards this effort. But the thing that I like the most, it says, and then after that gift, He chose to give personally out of his own fortunes. Now, I rattled off all kinds of giving that David gave, right? Gold for the gold and silver for the silver and all of that stuff. And it actually gives us amounts. And one theologian went to such great lengths. They figured out exactly what the worth of David's gift was in the price of today's gold and silver. I want you to listen to this. David's personal offering was around $18 billion U.S. Now, I don't know about you, but here's how that, what that says to me. David was all in. He gave $18 billion to expand God's work. You see, he put his treasure in, and then his heart followed. Let's notice several quick things about David's amazing offering. We cannot miss these. First, he wanted that temple to be so beautiful that it would be a testimony to the greatness and the glory of God. He held nothing back. He was all in. Number two, he gave to a ministry that he would never see happen. I want you to hear that. If you're older today, David was older. He would never get to see this as a part of his life. He died before the temple was ever completed, but that did not stop David. He was giving so future generations could be blessed. I think that's a notable thing to see. And third, he knew that temple would crumble and fall someday. I mean, it was just bricks and mortar. In less than 400 years, Solomon's temple, folks, it lay in ruins. But that didn't stop his giving. Because David knew it was not about bricks. It was not about wood. It was not about mortar. It was not about gold. It was about the people who would meet God through the ministry of that temple. And here's my main point. Once David gave his personal gift, once he gave his personal treasure to expand God's work, then his heart was there. And the same is true for you. The same is true for us. When you put your money into something, you pay attention to it from that point forward. Let me give you an example. A few years ago, I bought Boeing stock. Now, I want to be honest with you. Up until that point, I didn't care about Boeing at all. I never 
looked any articles about Boeing. I never read about Boeing. I never looked at the stock market pertaining to Boeing. I didn't really care. I got on a plane. I flew. I didn't care about Boeing. But since I bought Boeing stock, guess what I do? I care about it all the time. I pay attention now. And that's the way it is for all of us. Uh, many of you have given um, to our missions effort in Ukraine through the Michael God Evangelistic Association and Brother Steve's involvement in Texas Country Boys. And guess what? When the war broke out in Ukraine, all we wanted to do was pray for them, for people who had come to know Christ because of our gift and our investment and our treasure. Folks, that's the way it is. Your heart follows your treasure. David gave his personal treasure to expand God's work and his heart followed. So that's the second thing today. He gave his personal treasure to expand God's work. What's the third thing that he did? I love this one the most. David revealed the secret of joyful giving. You see, all of this generosity produced joy among God's people. Let's go back to the text because you're probably wondering why I skipped those verses from verse 5 down to verse 10. And the reason I did that is because I wanted now to give special emphasis to verse number 9. And let's read it together because here's exactly what happened. After David led the way, after he was the example, after he called them to give, look at what it says. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Folks, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. There is a distinct correlation between generosity and joy. If you are a miser with your money, if you're stingy with your money, don't be surprised if you don't turn into Ebenezer Scrooge. Because that's what happens to people. Let me tell you a little story about a comedian named Jack Benny. Now, for many people in this room, you know exactly who Jack Benny is. Others, not quite so sure. But Jack Benny was one of the top comedians of his day, if not the top. And he had a reputation for being a skinflint. If you don't know what that is, it's a tightwad. It's somebody who is very stingy with their money. And, and he told the story of being confronted by a robber. True story. The robber says this to Jack Benny, your money or your life. Well, Jack Benny didn't say anything. And the thief said... Look, bud, your money or your life, which will it be? And Jack Benny said, hey, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Stingy people, right? The most joyous people I've ever known, they're givers. And have you ever had people around you like this that they give so much you're thinking, wow, I'm not like that. And I have people around me that are like that. They're generous. They hear of a need. They, they meet a need. They, they want to give. They're looking for opportunities to share. And those people are so admirable to me. And they're also so joyful. The Bible actually says this, that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. But the church will accept the money of a grouch, right, too. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Folks, in his prayer of thanksgiving, David gives us three truths that reveal the secret of joyful giving. If you want to be a joyful giver, listen to these three things. First, here's a principle you've got to know. Everything we have is a gift from God. 
How many of you recognize that in your life? Every single thing you have is a dynamic gift from God. After this remarkable multi-billion dollar offering, David broke out in a prayer of thanksgiving. Remember, this is on the wall at Chick-fil-A's corporate offices. Here's what it says. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. It's a prayer. And David was so right. Everything we have comes from God. Your health comes from God. Believe me, I learned that this past year. Your job comes from God. Your children come from God. Your possessions come from God. Everything you have comes from Almighty God. You and I don't own a single thing. It's all on loan from God. LBJ, one of our our historic past presidents, he was a larger-than-life Texan. We love him in Texas, right? But nobody ever accused LBJ of being humble. One day, the story is told that he arrived at Andrews Air Force Base on Air Force One. He gets off the plane, and there was a dozen helicopters there parked on the tarmac. And this Marine corporal comes up and leads him towards Marine One, the helicopter. And he says this, Mr. President, this is your helicopter. And LBJ says this, son, they're all my helicopters. Right? (laughs) But he was wrong. He didn't own a single one of those. And I want you to to find the contrast. Compare it with the attitude of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. True story, Wesley was riding his horse back from a preaching engagement when one of his friends met him there on the road on his horse. And he said, Mr. Wesley, I have bad news. Your house just burned down. And Wesley thought for just a second, and he said this, it's not my house, it's God's house. And, well, that's one less thing for me to worry about. Everything you have is a gift from God. Second principle, if you want to be a joyful giver, we give to God only what he's first given to us. We have to know that. Listen to David's prayer again. All this abundance he prays that we have provided for the building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. The only way I knew to illustrate this was to go back to Christmas in in my house when my kids were younger. And by the way, um, for all of you that marched into empty nesthood ahead of us, God bless you. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. Um, and um, right now we're just trying to acclimate. But I, but I'm remembering a lot about my kids, and and one of the memories that came this week was at Christmas time when they were young, they would all come to me, and I would give them my money to buy Christmas gifts, and with my money they would go out and buy me a gift, right? And when they gave me that gift, I loved it because they gave it in love, right? And I think that makes sense to me with God. It's the exact same thing. He gives us the money, and then we use that money to make an offering or a gift to him, but he's still blessed by it because it's given in love and obedience. That makes sense, doesn't it? You see, the first thing, if you want to be a joyful forgiver, everything we have is a gift from God. Second, we give to God only what he's first given to us. And then third, God tests our hearts according to how well we manage this treasure. He tests our hearts. Listen to David's prayer. I know, my God, that you test the heart and you're pleased with integrity. David knew God tests our hearts when we give. Now I've got to ask the hard questions. 
Are you giving joyfully and willingly? Or are you giving begrudgingly? And then let me take you deeper. I think this thought will change this message. Have you ever considered the possibility that God places resources in your hand to test you? And are you passing the heart test? I've got another scenario I want you to, to think about with me. Okay, put yourself in this scenario. You, you send a birthday present to your dad. He lives off in another state and you have found this beautiful, nice coat. And, and you know dad's going to love it. And so you wrap it up in a box and you get it all exactly the way you want. You address it and you take it down to the UPS store, right? But instead of delivering it to your dad, the U.S., the UPS guy takes the package to his house. He opens it up. He likes what he sees. And then he has the audacity to wear it as he delivers the packages to all those other people the very next day. How would you feel about that? (laughs) Not too hard to really think about, right? That would be a problem. And that would make you as mad as a hornet. The UPS guy stole the gift you were sending to dad. He's just the middleman. He's just supposed to deliver the package. He was supposed to get it to your father. Have you ever stopped to think that the reason God gives you money and resources sometimes is because he wants you to deliver it to needy people or to some ministry so they can use it to spread the gospel? But instead, we receive the gift as the middleman... And we assume it's ours. And we take it out and we put it on and we stuff it in, right? We're just the UPS guy. We need to deliver it where God wants us to deliver it. Are you and I passing God's test? Is your treasure invested in God's work so your heart will be there too? Every week at this Baptist Bible Institute in Graceville, Florida, it happened every single week, a tractor-trailer load of Tropicana orange juice would be unloaded at the cafeteria door. Every single week, the truck would arrive, they'd open it up, full load, boom, all of this Tropicana orange juice. And the people were wondering, how can we afford this? But there was no charge for the orange juice, none. And one day in chapel, they found out the story. This old Italian-American man named Anthony Rossi stood in chapel that day to give his testimony. And in broken English, he talked about how he had moved to the United States from Italy in the 1920s. When he arrived, he said he had not anything, nothing but the clothes on his back. And this Christian couple befriended him, and he became a follower of Jesus Christ because of their testimony. They led him to Jesus. And he worked in an orange grove at that time. And then he worked there long enough that he was able to buy that orange grove. And then he developed a patent to chill orange juice and ship it. And he was so grateful to God that he promised in that day, all those years before, that he would give 50% of everything he earned. 
Tropicana Orange Juice became one of the largest companies, juice companies in our country. For decades, Anthony Rossi donated free Tropicana Orange Juice to Christian colleges all over the United States. He sold the company in 1978 for $500 million, and he used that treasure to build a missionary retirement village in Bradenton, Florida, where he was the member of a Baptist church. When he gave his testimony in chapel that day, he focused on two words, grateful and generous. He was so grateful to God for his blessings that he got great joy out of being generous. Here's the bottom line of the message today. Do you know how to tell when your treasure and your heart are in the right place? Because that's what you need to be asking. God, am I in the right place? And how you tell are two words, grateful and generous. If your treasure and your heart are in God's kingdom, you'll be grateful for everything you receive from him. And then you'll be generous with every single thing that you have. Friend, today I want want you to know The title of this message is The Magnetic Power of Your Treasure. Your treasure has magnetic power. Your heart goes where you invest God's money. So where's your heart today? Is it languishing in some bank account or in some safety deposit box? 